This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Well, take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to Revelation chapter 4. Here's the thing about this, this part of the study that we're in. Revelation at this point where we are in our study is going to get real deep and it's going to be, I think, uh, complex for the, for the most part. That's, that's not my style of teaching or preaching and, and certainly not my preference. Um, and I think that uh, you have, you have come to reason with that through the years. But when we get to a place like this, Chapters 1, 2, and 3 have been fairly um, sustaining as far as uh, we can comment or two uh, on a verse and here and there, and, it's, and it just kind of flows and it moves uh, in rhythm. But when we get to this particular uh, book uh, or this particular chapter, from this point forward, things are going to get really, really deep. There, there is no way to just casually talk about these particular scriptures in order to get, um, I think, to the heart of the study uh, and to uncover some of these incredible truths. We've got to look uh, beyond the surface. It just necessitates that. And so, um, when you're, when you're reading these verses with me, there will be things perhaps that come to your mind that we do not bring out at the moment. Um, but I would encourage you to, to bring something with you from this point forward to take some notes, uh, because you will definitely need it to go back and rehearse what we talked about. I'm going to begin tonight actually with verse number one of chapter four and where we left off last week uh, we will get into verse number two uh, here real soon. So let's look at this, Revelation 4 and verse number one. Keeping in mind that John, the beloved, is writing, and he says this, and it's a continuation, it's a conjunction, by the way. We'll get to another part of that in this chapter, maybe chapter five. But he says here in verse number one, after this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither. Now, if you are accustomed to writing in your Bible, perhaps this would be a good place to underline those words, come up hither, because this is in reference to the rapture. And uh, it's very, very important here. We'll see some of these things unfold as we go along. Come up hither, and I will show thee things which, which must be hereafter. So, um, from this point, throughout the conclusion of Revelation, we're talking about prophetic things, eschatology, things to come. And so I want you to keep that in mind. All right, so now... We pick up with verse number two. And John said, immediately after the voice that told him, come up hither. The scripture says, this is the testimonial of John. 
And I immediately was in the spirit. This is, this is very important. I'm going to give you a very important Bible truth here in just a moment. Underline this word spirit. I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven. And one sat on the throne. Now, the first thing that John saw when he was transported was the throne of God. And I want you to remember this, and this is the big truth. When, when you read these words, I was in the spirit, understand this, that John was not bodily caught up to heaven. That's, that's imperative. And uh, I, I know many, many preachers that have wrote books and have given testimonials how that when they were out walking in the field one day, like, like Enoch, God took them, took them up into heaven and showed them all kinds of things. Well, it's impossible. And please don't fall for that kind of stuff. To be quite frank with you, it's a lie. Those, that has never happened. I'm going to explain to you. When the word says right here, John said, I was caught up in the spirit. So for, for a moment during this whole experience, John's spirit left his body. His body was caught up into heaven. And by the way, there are only a couple of people in the Word of God where that experience happened. And I want to give you this scripture here in reference to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I want us to look at verse number 1 through 4. Don't lose your place in Revelation 4. We're coming right back to it. But in First or Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, the Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints, which are all, or which are in all Achaia, grace be to you and peace from our God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, whom comforteth us all in tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted. And uh, as I wrote these scriptures down uh, hastily, that's definitely not the passage that I wanted to be in reference to. Paul, the scriptures teaches, he was a man, and the word says in one instance he was he testified, he said, I, I was caught up into the third heaven. He said, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. So um, I was going to briefly mention to you tonight this incident uh, that that happened to Paul. Now, another thing, too, is that uh, there was an instance in a little place called Lystra where Paul was stoned, uh, and people thought that they had stoned him to death. Uh, he, he did not die. It was not a, a, a miracle resurrection. He, he, he was near death. But uh, that is neither the incident that I'm talking about. They have the scripture on the screen now, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 
And this is the one that I wanted. I, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. This is in reference to the direct omniscience of God. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. Now understand this, that there are three heavens. And we spent a great deal of time in study about this some time ago. Uh, the first heaven is where um, the clouds exist. Uh, and by the way, the word says that the devil is the prince and power of the air. The second heaven is where the sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxies exist. The third heaven is where God's throne is. And so if we go back to verse number two just for a moment, uh, the latter part of that, Paul's is he's saying, I, I, I really cannot be uh, definitive on this experience, whether I was in the body or out of the body, such a one caught up to the third heaven, which I, I want to make something clear to you. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from Paul. Please don't uh, ascertain that. But the truth of the matter is this. When we go back to Revelation chapter 4 and in verse number 2, and immediately I was in the Spirit, I want you to notice this. John's Spirit left his body. But here's here's the truth. Here's the truth of the matter. John when he was writing this testimonial, you have to understand something, that he, he had not yet received. And this is the pivoting thing around anybody that tells you they were caught up into heaven. He had not yet received a glorified body. That's imperative to understand because there, this flesh that we have cannot enter into heaven. It's impossible. The flesh cannot enter into heaven. And so the truth is this. He had not yet been glorified. And so the point is this. No man can behold the beauty and majesty of our glorified Savior in an unredeemed body. And we're talking about a body. You, you have to keep that in mind now. Nobody in an unredeemed body can enter heaven in that condition, unglorified body. None of us, there, there is nobody in heaven today with a body. No one. We will receive a glorified body at the rapture. When we die... Our spirit, our soul goes to heaven. Our bodies are, and more so nowadays than I have ever seen in my life, people are cremated. People have asked me the question, um, and, and whatever works for family works. But I will tell you that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if a person was cremated blown up in an explosion. The Jewish people that were 
uh, in the gas chambers and, and the uh, burners and furnaces. Listen, I'm telling you this. When the rapture takes place, the trumpet of God sounds every molecule of the past. God is going to bring life back from dust, and he is going to give us a glorified body where we can enter into his presence, we'll meet the Lord in the air. But there will never be, there has never been, let me put it that way, there has never been an unredeemed or an unglorified body that's made it into heaven. It's impossible. So when John writes here that he was caught up in the spirit, that's very accurate, very true. The first thing that he sees when this experience takes place in his life is the throne, God's throne. That's the first thing. Go back to verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me and said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. He says this, And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. We're going to talk about that. Now, so here's the thing that I want you to remember, that in the midst of all of this happening, immediately, it's a picture, a type of the rapture. It's a prophetic scene of the rapture, immediately. And Paul said in the twinkling of an eye, and he was caught up uh, where he met um, where he says, and we will meet the Lord in the air. But immediately when John is caught up, the first thing that he sees when this experience happens, when he's in the spirit, is that he, he sees the throne of God. That's the first thing that takes place. It's the centerpiece of this heavenly experience uh, that he is uh, going through. But then things start to get a little complex and a little bit more deeper as we move to verse number three. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. So when we get to verse number three, um, there are some beautiful things that start to unfold here. And there are three specific stones that are mentioned. These two stones that the word talks about first here, the jasper and the sardian stone, I want you to know that this symbolizes, these two stones, they symbolize the glory and the majesty of God. And much is said about these stones and the glory and the majesty of God all throughout the Word of God. In fact, when you talk about God's glory, it's, it, you really can't define it. it. It's something that cannot be communicated. We don't have words for it. Because we, what we do know is this, that Jehovah God is light unapproachable. We know that. Paul said it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15 through 16, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only pontret 
the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. So God is light that's unapproachable, according to the Apostle Paul in the Word of God. Now, the jasper and the sardian stones are also mentioned in the list of precious stones that was set in the breastplate of the high priest in the Old Testament. Significant. In fact, I want you to see this. In in Exodus chapter 28, verse 17 through 20, the word says, And thou shalt set in the settings of stones, even four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardius, a topaz, a carbuncle. This shall be the first row. Verse 18. And the second row shall be an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. The third row, a ligure, and a gate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a beryl, an onyx, a jasper. They shall be set in gold in their enclosings. Okay, so in, in these descriptions of the breastplate, of the high priest, two important stones are mentioned that also John talks about in Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 3. These same stones, by the way, in another place, is also mentioned among those describing the glory of the king of Tyre. And I want you to see this in Ezekiel chapter 28, in verse number 13, the Bible says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, and the jasper, sapphire, the emerald, carbuncle, and gold, the workmanship of thy tabernacles, And uh, of thy pipes was prepared in thee the day that thou was created. So here's the thing that I want you to remember. There are several places in the word of God where these Two specific stones are mentioned. Now, we find them again in another place. We fast forward a little bit in Revelation 21, and I want you to see this in verse number 19 and 20. And again, I want to emphasize something while they're getting these scriptures on the screen. This is where we get a little deep and complicated, and you really have to be into this to get it. This is not a sermon. This is teaching. And it's deep teaching. It's it's uh, complex, and and so I don't I don't want to do this to lose you. I want you to to uh, gain and learn from this. But in Revelation twenty one, verse nineteen, the Bible says, "And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones." The first foundation was jasper. The second sapphire. The third. And I'm not sure how the correct pronunciation of that is. Chaldoni and uh, the fourth, an emerald in verse 20. The fifth, Sardinox. The sixth, Sardius. 
the seventh, and you get it. But the thing that I want you to, to understand is that in these two passages of Scripture, again, we find the jasper and the sardian. So what what is happening here is that the Holy Spirit uses these two particular stones to symbolize the brilliant glory and unsurpassed splendor of God Almighty. And he uses those to do that. The brilliance of the jasper stone symbolizes, and you might want to write this down if you're taking notes, it symbolizes the pure holiness of God. And the deep red of the sardius stone, that symbolizes the blood atonement demanded by God for the remission of sin. In fact, in Revelation 21, verse 11, let me give you that scripture very quickly here. Having the glory of God and her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone clear as crystal. So we're talking about the jasper stone, the sardius stone, the jasper stone clear as crystal. And so... In this particular setting, no doubt it was Jesus that John was looking upon. And so Jesus here is described as a jasper and sardian stone. That's a description of Jesus. And and the human ability to communicate what John was seeing. The next thing that John saw, and this is interesting. The next thing that he saw was a rainbow. He saw a rainbow around the throne. And the rainbow, this symbolizes the absolute sovereignty of God. And it was an unbroken circle. And it represents the unbroken power of God and the unbroken love and mercy of God. And so as John saw this circling around the throne, it was a reminder that God's mercy endures forever and it's uninterrupted. And now most of you here tonight know that, and you may recall that in the Old Testament, God made a covenant with Noah and he put a rainbow in place in the sky and he assured Noah that he would not forget the covenant that he had made with him. In fact, Let's let's look at these verses in Genesis chapter 9, verse 9 through 17. The word says, "And and I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you and with every living creature that is with you of the fowl of the cattle and of every beast of the earth with you from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you, neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood, neither shall there be or shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. Verse 14. I do set my bow in, uh, and it shall come to pass. I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow, he's talking about the rainbow, 
shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. Now, I have just a moment here tonight to mention something else, and that is this. The one that John saw also, according to Scripture, had the appearance of an emerald. So let's look at this. And he, in verse 3, Revelation 4, 3, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardian stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Now, I just want to read verse 4, and we'll have to get into this next week. But it says this, And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Now, I will tell you this in closing, that these four and twenty elders is a representation, is the church. I will explain that to you, why I believe that, why I believe the Word of God teaches that and supports that. But this is a very interesting point where we are diving into the rapture and these prophetic things to come. So I, I realize, and I put myself where you're sitting, and I'm trying to digest it all myself. Uh, it's powerful, it's deep, it's complex, uh, and some of the things that we're going to be talking about requires your undivided attention. And I, pl- I pray that the study, the prep, the delivery will be a blessing to you. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.